Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today we're taking our first trip into Big Finish Audio with the Time War Volumes 1 through 4 that they did as a sort of prequel to the War Doctor series they were doing. This one has Paul McGann coming back as the 8th Doctor. And this takes place before the Night of the Doctor when he regenerates into the young War Doctor, John Hurt, young War Doctor. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Howdy, this is Albert. Hi, this is Brian. Yeah, this is basically uh, what they did to fill in the gaps of the time war and how you fight a time war and we'll just uh we'll take it from volume one all right the first volume starts off with the starship of theseus where the doctor and his companion at the time sheena they land the tardis on a like luxury space liner called the theseus and it's just about to leave jupiter spaceport and they go on a holiday they kind of um, stow away if you will but there's a disturbance that catches their attention and the uh the events are sinister as they're on board and the passengers are vanishing on every trip they have to be careful or they may be next yes or they may be next and that's when um the doctor it starts off like a typical doctor who adventure where we're plopped in the middle of something. We want to kind of see a site or something like a like a monument or a um, like the seven wonders of the world type of thing, but galactical wonders. But then something happens that the doctor's like, "Oh, I need to investigate the wrongdoings of this particular environment." So I think that that's kind of cool that they did that. But then this being the time war, it gets confusing, which is what happens with his companion. Mm, mm. I honestly couldn't follow along. Um, it was very difficult for me um, when all the time changes occur. And this is audio, so you don't know. <laughs> There's no big reveal of the starship turning into a, a refugee ship, you know? So it's like he's, he's just talking and then all of a sudden he's calling his companion by a different name. And it's like, I don't remember her, her name. So I don't think there was anything weird. It was just it was confusing for me. I think I was lucky that you gave me a little warning about that. So when that happened, I was like, oh, this is the time war. So I I knew to pay a little bit closer attention to some of those things. So I appreciate that. Yeah, they're specifically uh, referencing Sheena, who becomes Emma, and then Louise. So it is very confusing. (laughs) And none of those are other, other companions of his. No, this is the first time she shows up. Okay. So what, where do we lose that companion? When does it become just Bliss? Um, later on. I think because... Bliss is introduced in the next episode. Oh, okay, okay. And it's just Bliss from that point on. Okay. Is that right? Yes, because, um, okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> because it opens with a cold open, again, like an ep- a traditional episode, where there is a Time Lord soldier piloting a battle TARDIS trying to find a renegade Time Lord. So he crashes onto the Theseus and, um, oh, Bliss shows up at the very end of the first episode. 
That's what it is. Okay. Because of all the time things happening, the Theseus has now changed from a luxury liner to a refugee ship, and he meets uh, some other people. And then the, there's a, I think, Daleks start to invade the ship, and then Bliss shows up with a regression weapon and blows up these Daleks. Okay. Yeah, and, she- and the the entire the entire episode plot just goes away. That that time. that happens to each of these discs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it is cool to hear Paul McGann. He's like like we mentioned in uh, the Night of the Doctor short episode. There is no grace period or let me find out who my doctor is type of thing. Right. It's like right, right away. This guy knows he's the doctor. He knows who his doctor is. And it's great. I, I wish some of these were filmed and televised. I think they would be better. They would solve some of these problems we're talking about. Mm-hmm. After the initial shock, like shock and getting used to it, it did feel very much like watching Doctor Who. Like after I got over it, and I think maybe even the story settled a little bit into the like Bliss and the Doctor being our main um, our focus. Our focus, yeah, yeah. Like after that, like yeah, each of the little stories, part of the disc felt like a, a Doctor Who episode. Once once you figure out like the the pace and the the structure of them, then you can enjoy them. Yeah, because again, it starts off like a, an episode, but then it becomes its own thing entirely. Mm-hmm. Back to more effects of the Time War. This uh, TARDIS pilot's Time Lord soldier, he dies, but he doesn't regenerate. And even the doctor calls out that he has re- regeneration inhibitors. So that is a weapon the Daleks are using against the Time Lords. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Oh, and this first episode is also where we meet Corin and Rupa, who are going oh. to be sort of the uh, other companion, pseudo companions for this uh, this story that we're going to follow. The Adrix. Yes. So the end of Volume One, they crash land on a jungle planet. The Doctor doesn't have his TARDIS because of the time war effects on the ship. He th- he left it in a broom closet. He goes there. It's not there. Or it's just the box, I think. And then so they go, this Dalek ship crashes, I believe, on the Theseus. That's where Bliss shows up. So the Doctor gets the idea to take the Dalek time spaceship and fly it out of the Theseus. Isn't it so, also they discover that there's like areas of spatial time disturbance and yeah, they need to get away? No, no, that's on the planet. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. It's all right. Yeah. I'm getting these confused. But yes, it is on the planet. Yeah, and the other sorry. thing, it's okay. <laughs> the other thing that uh, we have at the end of the first episode is there is an Ogron that shows up and a Dalek also that are on another crashed Dalek ship on the same planet. <laughs> I I really like the Dr. Ogron and then the continued like manifestations of the Doctor throughout the, yeah. the book. Or the like audios, the volumes, volumes. Like I think of them as audio Easter eggs because we don't see what he looks like. We just hear lines that we're familiar with. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's weird. That's all in the first volume, so they set everything up. But you're, it's very confusing if you don't have visuals to follow these. So I couldn't follow it. Um, but I still enjoyed them. But I also took the time to listen to them more than once. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, my commutes at the time helped me to listen to these more than once <laughs> yeah they're not... I just have an it i was just gonna say real quick i just have an issue with falling asleep so i couldn't do it while i was driving 
Yeah, I change them. Uh, like usually, I I walk uh, in the neighborhood and listen to podcasts. Um, I change to this. It's definitely a different experience. Like uh, I usually listen to either political or tech podcasts, which um, you know are pretty dry. But no, listening to like really? the time the time war happening, and like there's a few times that uh, I had headphones in and I had to like turn around because I felt like something was sneaking up on me. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, no, I'm just outside. <laughs> it's just in my head. But yeah, good audio mix. Oh yeah, the the production feels as if they took it was filmed and they just took out the video portion and left us with everything else. Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out is that is this, this is very much the doctor in the moment where they're sneaking on board the ship and they're they're pretending to be in the cabaret act for the entertainment of this luxury liner and they use the psychic paper and the the the, the security guard is like, oh, you're very good. There was nothing there at first. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> that's that's very much in the in the vein of the doctor. Yeah, he was the magician, or he was yeah. Playing? yeah yeah, that's good. And then the disappearing act is that we never see Emma or Louise or Sheena again. <laughs> <laughs> or the people who disappeared or any of that storyline. Yeah, that's... Well, that Bliss has some connections to the Theseus, though, later, doesn't she? Like, um, she was on it, like, later she was doing a research mission on, on it. I think you're right. But there was such a small line, I don't remember yeah. anything else. Basically, they just kept changing, like, it's just changing constantly, like, what it means, what it was. Yeah. I, I do have to say, this, I would not recommend this for new viewers. <laughs> There's nothing to uh, watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you're new to list, trying to listen to an audio drama, don't start with this. Oh, yeah. Because I was bonkers lost. Just couldn't follow it. And, and still even kind of can't so i mean the, the reason we're doing this is because it ties in with the time war which oh yeah we're, we're in the middle of now but so there's a lot that you have to know to kind of understand what's going on yeah as a volume though it really does make the time wars feel very expansive like you know yeah. we're on different worlds there's whole peoples being destroyed and yeah. coming back like it definitely gives it more weight than you know, then, what we have in the show. Yeah, like a line and then two shorts. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, so. And that idea of like how destructive it is to those like who have no idea that it's even happening. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's definitely two huge imperial armies that, you know, all, all, we're all just like cannon fodder in between. And collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good because that brings us into the this is episode two of volume one we call it 1.2 echoes of war where we are in the jungle planet the the doctor and his crew have crashed and they have to kind of figure out what's going on and this is where we see a i would say a bystander planet being affected by the ravages of the time war because you see certain pieces or in this case it was like the jungle the tree plant life yeah it the war is ripping this planet back yeah. and forth through time yeah where it was uh going evolutionary ex accelerating evolutionary very quickly and then decaying and then going back and then it said i think i wrote down everything is a in a constant state of flux things are things age a thousand years in two minutes the forest dies and grows and dies again the doctor says this is the fallout from the time war 
So I remember one of our questions on the show was, how do you fight a time war? Which kind of like this, where uh, the other thing that happens is that there are primates living in the trees and then they evolve, but it gets messed up with because they're accelerated and mutated, but not in the proper way that time gives us mutations that are sort of beneficial natural. to yeah natural and beneficial to our environment where i think they have multiple limbs and then it's forced down horrible evolutionary path is what um i can't remember who it is but it's a, a scientist on this this crew says that and then we have a uh, doll who is a dalek with memory loss he's such they, a doll yeah <laughs> <laughs> that they befriend and i was very uh i guess empathetic toward this Dalek by the time this happened. I thought it was silly at first, and then yeah. by the end, it was like, aww, <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they did a good job of making it still a Dalek, but applying it to non-vengeful, evil things. Like, Dal is super loyal. He wants to protect the people that he is with, and right. he wants to help the Doctor. And he, he even, at one point, I think, uh, does something with his onboard computer and then uploads it to the doctor's screwdriver. It's mm. it's just weird things that like this is still a Dalek, but the motivations are different and it makes it like you almost want him on your team. Well, without his memory, it's like a child. It's an yeah. innocent child, but it's still genetically a Dalek, so it still has those characteristics mm. of loyalty and you know all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't know what it's to be loyal to. But in, but in, like in this case, there was that point where the doctor disappeared for a while and the doctor was the leader. And then he goes, there's a fondness between, refer, talking to Bliss, there's a fondness between you and the doctor. So naturally you are second in command. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. That, because like normally a Dalek would want to take charge if mm -hmm. they want mm -hmm. prisoners or something or in a, in a battle. They would be like, you're the enemy. I'm taking you captive. I mean, Plus, right off... Right off the bat, the volumes, you know, really making us look at both the Daleks and the Time Lords in different ways. And like, mm -hmm. you know, our enemy, like it uses the enemy a lot because everyone refers yeah. to the other side as the enemy. But who really is the bad guy keeps kind of shifting as we learn more and as the time war keeps shifting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the shifting, I guess, mode. Uh points that we see the time lords and the, the daleks we are introduced to cardinal Alistra, and she uses uh, time torpedoes on battle tardises to draw the dalek saucers onto the surface of the jungle planet so that they can start a ground attack and uh, that's where they find the doctor and the group and then we meet captain tamazan she's the one that kills doll spoiler alert <laughs> so that was sad i was like i i didn't think i was going to feel for for doll but that's it He's gone. And they well, also, and everybody else wanted to kill him too, right? In the beginning, because they knew who or what Daleks are. But yeah. then when, once they got to know that Dal didn't have those memories of being an oppressive force, they kind of accepted him. When he was, you know, he was um, essential to them being able to navigate those time... Um, rifts. Those rifts, uh, yeah. yeah, corruptions. Yes. Um, with uh, so that they could be safe. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one, episode two, ends with the TARDIS getting taken, uh, Tamazan taking the Doctor and his crew, and then the Doctor gets drafted or conscripted 
I guess is the colloquial term in the UK, into the war by Lystra unwillingly. It's a, it's a word here too. <laughs> yeah, but we use drafted like you're getting drafted into the army. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll give you that. All right. Yeah. Acceptable. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> Episode two is the conscript, which is about the doctor being put into sort of a boot camp with a bunch of other conscripts in the barracks. And we see how defiant the doctor is. He doesn't like giving or taking orders. He likes giving them. <laughs> and his uh, screwdriver gets smashed by Commander Halren, I think is his name. Because they're, they're put into that usual thing where... You have to take apart your weapon and then put it back together. But in this case, they're building stasers, which we saw in The Deadly Assassin, which I thought was cool that they used that same, like, I guess it's the 70s that when that came out, that 70s sound effect of the staser. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. They kept that. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun, like um, seeing Time Lords and like the, the military structure like of Time Lords mm -hmm. in this case uh, was really cool. And also, you know, kind of some of those uh, classic tropes where you have the old wizened guy who's like, yeah. you you all should be enjoying yourselves, your kids, you're going to war, what's up with this? Like, um, yeah, you should be going to the cliffs of whatever or this place. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of cool. And then the doctor was the kind of like breaking down why the commander is doing what he's doing. He's like, this is to beat you down to, into submission to then mold you into what they want to be. And then this is all supposed to be like not mob mentality but sort of like you go with what the group is doing i mean definitely um like the tactics of collective punishment and things you mm -hmm. know a, a very strict military regime yeah and in some ways it fit for the time lords and they also mentioned the cia again which is not the central intelligence agency but thank you so celestial intervention agency which we also had that same question in the deadly assassin because they brought that up as well and looking more into it they're kind of like the classic who the time lords were very uh star trek and we don't interfere we just kind of like watch everything the prime directive doesn't allow us to interfere but the CIA, the Celestial Intervention Agency, are the ones that know the proper timeline. So if something is wrong, they are the ones to go in and interfere to put it back on the right path. Hey, that sounds like a Marvel show. Actor <laughs> <laughs> who did it first. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably didn't, but before Marvel. <laughs> oh, so tying this into the last day, while they're in the barracks, the commander, Commander Halran, Harlan, Harlan, I think is his name, <laughs> mentions that these new recruits won't get an easy assignment of Arcadia and the Sky Trenches because they think that the Sky Trenches are super safe. He's saying you guys will actually be fighting. You won't mm -hmm. be in a cushy job in the war. Yeah, that was neat. That reference to that. There's so many time weapons that are just like normal weapons you just say time in time front of from, them and like, then like this is a time recording this is a yeah. time microphone <laughs> yeah this is a time torpedo this is a time gun like yeah but what are you gonna do it's time i mean it's, it's a time war so you're gonna yeah. fight it with time weapons so. yeah <laughs> um the doctor, battle the, i was gonna say the doctor has some great dialogue in here um the reason you know it goes into a little bit of the reason why he's not fighting in the war 
Um, yeah. I don't remember all of it, but I, I just remember one part where he says, I wouldn't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. It's too big. It's too big for me. And yeah. it's like, I'll just creep along the edges and help people. Yeah, which is very much like the doctor. Well, I'm, I'm specifically mentioning or talking about like the helping out people part. Yeah, the helping. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he can't. He can't. He can't not help. He can't not help. Yeah, yeah, but he won't fight. And then so to bring this into the time war, the recruits are on like a training mission where they're trying. To me, it's like reading a map there. What's that called when you're it's not frontiering. It's a, there's a term where you go out and you read a map and a compass. There's a there's a term for it. <laughs> they train people to do this, <laughs> but they're doing that with time war stuff. And they spot a Dalek ship or a Dalek saucer and they report it back to base. And then the, the person they're reporting back to is like, oh, no. That's real. We have to get ready for an attack. And so they get attacked. The doctor tells everyone to run instead of joining Tamazan into battle. And I thought, that, again, that was very doctor. It's like, don't fight, but also run is a, a common theme with the modern doctor. And then there's a person that is part of his, um, I guess, bunk mate crew, Vida. Um, she tells the doctor where his friends are um, being imprisoned, as well as how to get his TARDIS out of the uh, the docking bay, if you will, or whatever. But when they arrive, he gets he gets all like uh, Quarren and Rupa and Bliss out of where they're being held, and then goes into the hangar, finds the TARDIS, but then Alistra and her troops surround him, and so that's why he can't get out of that. And then Alistra says, maybe if I shoot you, you will regenerate into a version that is more willing to fight the time the time war so that's where episode three volume one ends it's a nice cliffhanger because i'm like she's gonna shoot the doctor <laughs> mm -hmm. there's a lot of death i mean i mean it is a war but yeah, yeah a lot of characters die and mm -hmm. the the time lords are i feel like they're a little flippant about regenerations you know yeah like with each other with their soldiers with stuff but um was there a limit at this point yeah, i mean Okay. yeah if you're following classic who but then this is a war so maybe they did something to up the number who knows yeah i think it's just they're in the middle of a war they do what they got to do this is jumping ahead a little bit but there is somebody called the 12 which that's the last regeneration it should be because that person is numbering uh being called by the number of regenerations and it doesn't feel like the the 12 is is almost done it doesn't feel that way mm-hmm that's just my own. Were they from Classic Who? Or is it just part of this story? No. Were they the 10 or 9? <laughs> the 6 was the one that was really... I mean, there's again, this thing is so dense <laughs> to break everything down is nearly impossible. But that was an interesting character. Yeah. There, I mean, there was a lot of very interesting, like, Time Lord-ish characters. Mm-hmm. You know what? When we get to it, I'll try to find out if this okay. was a classic villain or classic person. <laughs> Vol uh, volume 1, Episode 4 is then One Life. Uh, let's, I'll just read this. As the full force of the Time War crashes down around the Doctor and his friends, a desperate battle for survival ensues. But not everyone is playing the same game. Alistra is after a weapon that could end the war in a stroke and she'll sacrifice anyone or anything to take it back to Gallifrey, even the Doctor. This begins with Rupa and Quarren meeting for the first time. So again, this is this could be confusing if you just jumped in 
Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know who Rupa and Quarren are, but they're on their first date. They're in a club, which I thought was the Theseus, but it's not. <laughs> and then we cut back between their their timeline and their relationship and the, mod, if you will, quote unquote, modern time of the Doctor and Alistair and Bliss trying to navigate the time war. And in this episode, is that where everything um, with the uh, Rupa's husband, what's his name? Corin? Corin. Corin. Is that where his story wraps up this episode? Uh, let me see. Hold on. I think so. Yes. This is where Corin is done. So just just like our um, our doctor has done, he's hidden himself inside of a human body using using a Horcrux. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is the, it? <laughs> the word we were looking for was chameleon arch. Chameleon arch. All right. <laughs> which which we saw in uh, the Family of Blood in mm-hmm. uh, season three with Martha. Uh, so I thought that that was cool that in episode one, the renegade Time Lord they are looking for is not the Doctor. It is Quarren. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a nice bait and switch. And then it's revealed that Quarren is a Time Lord that has the power to rewrite history with his thoughts. I'm like, this guy is super powerful. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I like that, you know, he, like, uh, similar to... Um what we've seen like the weapons the ultimate weapons that the time lords built like don't look like you know a bomb or a cannon they're intelligent beings that have the ability to reshape the universe and so then they all have a conscience about being used in that way so that that was neat to also have that tie-in and they look like billy piper and uh, this is again jumping ahead but all of these weapons if you will are all stored the sorry all these sentient weapons are all stored in the Omega Arsenal, which they also mentioned in, mm. I think it was the Day of the Doctor. Yeah, that's where yeah. the moment was. And so they, thought, they had, they'd used all the weapons in that archive except yeah. the moment. And I, I just thought that that was really cool that this televised, you know, thing with visuals and sound tied so much into this thing with just sound. It's, it's like one, one universe all in continuity. Sorry, so you had said that uh, in the story, this comes before the War Doctor. When was this released? Like, was it after the the t- TV show, or was it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It was in 2017, at least. Okay. That's, that's what I'm reading right now. Yeah, because then they filled in the gaps for us, sort of, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, it was at this point, though, that. I think I was starting to realize that each disc or each like volume that had the different episodes was kind of telling its own story. Yeah. And then each episode was kind of, was, had the overarching story, but it was also very episodic. It's it's a different type of storytelling that mm-hmm. was fun to 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 get uh, experience with. Yeah. So and yeah. I need to come clean and say we've just passed where I listened. I haven't oh. listened after this point. I think it gets better, Brian. I think you might like, you know, time is well, time. So, but but you might I mean, enjoy it. You already mentioned the the other time lords and Corin, and it's like, oh, that sounds cool. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Like, All right. So, but I, but I wasn't I wasn't really liking. I thought it was very slow. It was like I don't need the, the doctor in barracks. It is. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when you think of volume one, I'm like, that's one episode. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get you you heard the Ogron Doctor? 
did we hear the Ogron Doctor yet? I mean, or is other that than that first time. I think it's in the next volume. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, I, I want to mention here that the Daleks use reverse a reversal wave on the moon of Tenacity. It regresses the entire star system, not just the moon, in time. So that's another way they're fighting a time war. They're regressing things, not just advancing and dying and then advancing again. Uh, the TARDIS, the Doctor's TARDIS, that is, is still repairing itself. So it's mentioned that it can only travel in space, being like a car and not a time machine. Like, he can't travel to a different um, time out of here. And then I really like this. The cloister bell rings because it's it's still working, but it's not like 100%. So mm -hmm. it's still trying to warn the doctor that something is wrong. The doctor explains to Bliss what it is, and she goes, the tolling? That's just the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not terribly <laughs> significant. And then she goes, are you sure about that? Because to me, that sounds like lying. He replies with, sometimes Bliss, it's best you don't know. Like they say, ignorance is uh, quite nice sometimes. <laughs> I just laughed at that. It was just great. <laughs> okay, and then, then the end, Corrin decides that he will help the Doctor by uh, reverting back to a Time Lord and forgetting his human life he had with Rupa, and he erases himself from history. It's very deus ex machina, but it's, it's fine. I kind of, I mean, they had worked for me <laughs> it was sad because then i think you get a little bit of rupa right that never got to meet Corm. yeah but then it's funny that the doctor's like are you happy i don't know why i should be asking you this but i i want to know after it all happens because he's ripped out of corn has ripped himself out of time mm -hmm. why does he do that because he doesn't want to fight the war oh interesting and and that's why he ran and turned himself into a human Oh, okay. Because he didn't want to be a weapon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I like and and that was one that like the the Time Lords made him right, like genetically modifying or I think something. I mean that that's the hint that I get from yeah. Alistra because Alistra wants to use him to fight the war. Mm -hmm. So she's yeah. probably yeah she's probably the one that sent that pilot in earlier. Mm. But yeah, lots of things change. I mean, there's big like yeah when he leaves like there's there's big changes to the universe how do you how do you think that they did with that because it's all theater of the mind with sound oh i don't know i don't remember the specific like sound design okay. of it i'm just wondering what it would look like visually if somebody mm. had the budget yeah well i think um you know we've seen like uh representations of going through all of somebody's history like just with clara going through the mm -hmm. time that time scar yeah anyway that's just something yeah. i like playing in my brain yeah so that's volume one it's kind of sad it's a sad ending with uh rupa not knowing the love of her life corin but corin saving the doctor uh, volume two episode one is the lords of terror when the Doctor takes Bliss to her home colony, they discover that the Time War has gotten there first. Bliss finds that her world has been altered beyond recognition, and the population is now working to serve new masters. So this is where the Doctor takes Bliss home, and she's like, this is, where's my house? It's not here. Where's my mom and dad? So it feels very much like a uh, dystopian 1984, kind of big brother is watching you, but you are to help the war effort type of thing. 
Yeah, they end up all in like dome cities, yeah. like, um, and they're all making rockets to for the war effort. Yep. Like, yeah, it's it's it, it was it was good to get Bliss's like perspective because she has memories, you know, of a peaceful planet, and now mm-hmm. it's been transformed, like you said, into just a factory for the the war machine for the much. war machine of the Time Lords or the Daleks. I forget. We I you know kind I, of both. I, don't remember because there are uh, resistance fighters like there's an underground but then it's revealed that that's all a trap to kill the insurgents mm-hmm. and trap them but they're like there's a resistance how do you know well they're broadcasting and then they follow that signal in the tunnels underground and they get k- killed mm-hmm. by humans so that that's what makes me think it's the time lords but i don't know i don't remember sorry for our listeners out there it goes back and forth yeah it does Oh, no. I want to say it is the... Mm, because they're using propaganda that the enemy is the Daleks. So it could be the Daleks engineering that whole fear-mongering. I'm seeing right. if I can find a summary. I think I think it is um, the Elystra. Like, I think she's mm-hmm. in charge there, right? Like, she keeps coming back as the Time you, Lord in charge. You, you know what? I think you're right, because then Tamazan regenerates and becomes promoted to Major mm-hmm. Tamazan. But I mean, it's all, it is all meant to be a little bit wishy-washy because the time war is still happening. So at some points, you know, they are still that dome city. And then at other points, I think, um, like her parents come back or are there for a little Uh, bit. I think they do sort of come back. So it does make remembering specific instances. Like you're doing the same thing that the characters are doing. You're like, wait a minute, are my parents dead? Are they not dead? yeah what's my memory what's not (laughs) yeah so it's weird that you are confused by listening to this these volumes these episodes but is it good that you're kind of with the characters (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i'm i'm reading here that the daleks tell the people of derelobia which is where uh bliss is from Mm -hmm. that the daleks tell the people to cancel their rocket launches and surrender so that makes me think that the time lords are part of the the problem in that this is a war factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest like uh, takeaway from that is that both sides were willing to sacrifice like innumerable innocent lives and yeah. and planets and you know however much to win the war. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that yeah. that that was a lot about propaganda and yeah, yeah, who's really pulling the strings? Yes, for sure. So I guess it doesn't matter who's behind the dome cities and their lobia. <laughs> the, yeah, the I, couldn't find, I couldn't find anything. Uh, so let's see here. This ends with the doctor believing that there could be a way to fix the planet and restore it back to what uh, Bliss knows with her mother and father. And he thinks that that can happen once the time war has ended. But until then, they have to look out for each other and help away from the battlefields. They can't, like, again, the doctor trying to stay out of the war. So then uh, episode two in volume two is Planet of the Ogrons. Uh, this is where they're still trying to avoid the time where Doctor, the Doctor and Bliss are found by an old acquaintance. The latest incarnation of a mastermind the Doctor knows of old. But unlike his predecessors, the Twelve has a handle on her previous self's unruly minds. So that's what made me think the Twelve is a classic uh, character. I'm gonna look that up right now. So when we so the meet, twelve is 
Go ahead. Nope. Nope, it's not. They make you think it is, but this is first introduced in this. This is the first time we see it here of the 12. So good job. And it's not the doctor. No, it's not the doctor. It's it, another it, time lord. Yeah, it's another renegade time lord. But this time, this time lord, the 12, suffers from regenerative dissidence, whatever that may be. It's an illness, mental illness seen in time lords. That's what it is. So like all of her past regenerations are still like voices in her head yes oh that would be fun but she has a neural inhibitor that she's using to quiet that most of the time most of them yeah there's one psychopath number six that she lets out here and there to do some dirty work yeah Yeah. sounds like sounds like jadzia dax Mm. a a little bit like that a little bit have you guys seen moon knight like yes it's it's kind of that personality dissociative disorder. Not quite. Mm. Like, I think she's still in control in more. control yeah. because of the inhibitor. But if it wasn't for that, then the alter egos would, would take over. She was a cool character, and she's with them for a while after yeah. they meet up. Yeah, yeah. This is where we get the Dr. Ogron back. Okay. So there's an Ogron, which is like a very primitive something. But yeah, it's We've got seen- the doctor's it is the doctor or it, there was like some that, experiment where it ended up with yeah. the doctor's psyche yeah that's the weird thing where i'm not sure because how do you do that in a in an audio drama like yeah. sh- tell us uh, other than somebody going let's perform an experiment and this is why this is this is the way it is <laughs> you can't do that and that sounds boring <laughs> but ogrons are a classic uh doctor who uh i guess monster is the best way to say it because they look ogre-like they were first introduced in day of the daleks which i think is the third or yeah it's the third doctor and they are just like um they look almost like the classic santaran but i guess bigger okay they're not as diminutive i guess and in the classic who were they also kind of used by the daleks as like muscle that i don't know but i think they sounded the same that like reverby type of you can tell some work was done to their audio <laughs> mm-hmm. but i well, they, don't really know um them that much they kind of look like lord of the rings orcs yeah. yeah yeah so yeah it was like a low slow cavemanish kind of voice yeah but they they like had the doc they wrote it as the doctor but still kind of that like caveman gra- grammar so yes. uh <clears throat> Yeah, I liked it. It was an interesting character. It was. I didn't know what to think about it at first. I was like, oh. And, and especially it grew on me. Especially with the time war and everything. You're like, sure, maybe this doctor regenerated into an yeah. Ogron. Why not? See, that's what I thought, that this was a different evolutionary track of the doctor that was brought in from like a parallel timeline. Because it's a time war, so you can do that. Yeah. Um, but okay, so looking it up here, it says that the Dr. Ogron was experimented on by the Dalek Overseer and given the Doctor's personality. Okay. Which which Doctor or just a Doctor personality? It just says the Doctor's personality. I, I think Paul McGann's Doctor. Like, it is? Yeah. yeah. They don't say it specifically, but... No, but I think it's like Paul McGann and everything before it. But it also has stuff after it as well. <laughs> like, like the mm. sayings that he does. Mm. Right. Because uh, I'll go through that real quick right now, where he says a tear bliss. And that's a reference to um, the third doctor's final words before his regeneration in Planet of the Spiders. 
the de- and then he says the definite article you you might say that's a reference to the fourth doctor and his i think it's robot the first a full episode of Tom Baker and then he says Braveheart which is a reference to the fifth doctor and then he says who am I which is a reference to the eighth doctor which I thought was great and then I don't want to go referencing end of time with the 10th doctor uh trust me I'm the doctor reference to the 11th hour with the 11th doctor oh and then since we're just going out of time this is very loose uh the doctor ogron eventually regenerates and he says I'm still ginger so he's happy that he's ginger. <laughs> yeah. He like regenerates into another Ogrod, right? But yes. yeah, it's a funny twist of wording. Like so, here. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I kind of like this guy. He grew on me. Yeah. Oh, and then at one point, the doctor, Paul McGann, and the doctor Ogron compare sonic screwdrivers, just like in the day of the doctor with the 10 and 11. <laughs> Compensating. Yeah. One of them says uh it's it's bulbous <laughs> um, i don't remember how that one ends but i think it's it's with the dr ogon regenerating sure eventually eventually he dies but yeah probably not yet and it was sad yeah he yeah that's right he regenerates uh the 12 and bliss are taken prisoner and the doctor are taken prisoner and he takes a hybrid tardis and leaves before the base explodes what base? I don't remember. <laughs> right, so then we go on to Volume 2, Episode 3, In the Garden of Death. Uh, in a prison camp, like no other, the most dangerous man in the universe is held in isolation. The rest of the inmates have no memory of who they were or what they may have done. So this is the one that I think they go blind. Is that right? At first? Maybe I'm thinking of a different one but uh, I don't remember them being blind there was one point where they're normal and then something happens and then they bliss and the doctor go bl- that could be a different episode it might, it might be yeah it but anyway I do remember this one being confusing because they're like who are you who are you who are you <laughs> so this the prison like when they're in the prison there's like a memory inhibitor so they don't remember who they are so that's why when they're in prison they call each other like weird names like alpha something Mm -hmm. um but then they go get interrogated and by the daleks and when they're in the interrogation room their memory comes back okay i do remember that yeah that makes for an interesting because they're all like oh as soon as i go to get interrogated i'll remember everything but then (laughs) you know they're getting tortured and interrogated then you don't remember it after yeah 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 It sounds th- frustrating. There's a lot of other prisoners, so we get some new characters. And we also see how devious 12 is. She, mm. like, takes somebody's mechanical leg and uses it to... Oh, right. I forgot about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 12 does some weird stuff. Yeah. This one, like, uh, it's kind of got that Guardians of the Galaxy with taking prosthetic limbs. It's kind of yeah. got a little severance with the memory, like, being mm-hmm. separated. And it's got like World War II, Vietnam type of internment camp stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading here uh, to give them credit. Winterscoming.net. Uh, the reviewer says that uh, uh, he or she was very close to rolling their eyes because the Eighth Doctor has amnesia again. And then in parentheses it says, For those of you who don't know, the number of times the Eighth Doctor has lost his memory across various media is about the same number of times that Twelve punched the wall in Heaven Sent. <laughs> That's true. 
Um, I don't remember much about this other than the interrogations of each character. Mm-hmm. The uh, there's some fun sound design because uh, the prison is supposed to be very simple, mm-hmm. so there's no technology for them to use. But the Daleks are monitor, so there's like no cameras. They've been told. But the mm. Daleks are monitoring them with little mosquito bug cameras. I do remember that now, yeah. So when characters are talking and then you hear the little bzzz, you know, know, like the, <laughs> the surveillance is coming. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll read how this ends. Uh, Alistra asks Tamazan what she makes of Twelve's message. What message? I don't remember. Tamazan believes that the interrogation might have damaged a memory block on the Twelve and that she now has information which she does not realize the worth of or is deliberately withholding from them, meaning Alistra and Tamazan. She has run a matrix trace, which is back in the um, the Deadly Assassin, not not the Keanu Reeves Wachowski <laughs> matrix. Oh yeah. Trace on the Twelve's previous selves travels and found that they visited Uzmal and should be sent back under close supervision. The Doctor and Bliss will join her. So it feels like they're not quite done with the camps. Or being caught, uh, held prisoner, I mean. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we go to Volume 2, Episode 4, Jonah. This is a de- good one. Yeah. In the depths of an ocean world ravaged by the Time War, the weary survivors are pressed into service by Cardinal Alistra. Okay, so this is the other time where they get drafted. <laughs> Something is hidden beneath the sea. The Twelve knows the truth. If only she could drag it from her jumbled mind. And when the doctor becomes the becomes the captain of a submarine boat, all omens spell disaster. So now they're in an ocean where energy weapons and time weapons don't work. So that's yeah. why they're using these old school looking submarines. But again, it's another planet that like was not in the war that the Time Lords came and are like, I think I think they helped defeat the Daleks or defended them against the Daleks. But now they're kind of taking over to do their own thing. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I was like, because when I first listened to this, I'm like, why is he in a sub? Yeah. Is it is it because of the ninth Doctor connection of the U-boat captain <laughs> <laughs> costume? But it's not. <laughs> so then, um, I think it's all within this episode. But there's like a, a beast that's living in the ocean. Yes. Like another potential weapon that it. it it has the ability to also change time and space. And so it went to this world with the, the time of dampening ocean to hide. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of creatures that can change time. Yeah, and the Time Lords are trying to find all of them. Like the Time Lords <laughs> and the Daleks. It's like Doctor Who Pokemon style. Gotta catch yeah, them Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was the Oru guy? No. <laughs> what was it? That would be Lord of the Rings. The yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have it in your notes what this thing was called? Uh, hold oh. on, hold on. Does it talk or no? It does talk. I think it's an O name. It's just Alistra Omar? No, I, no, that's not it. I think it is Oroka. It's like Oro something. Hold on, let's see. The Bloodhound submarine is what they're on. It fires torpedoes. There's another submarine, the Peacemaker, which is captained by Tamiz- Major Tamizan, even though she's mm-hmm. a major. She's captaining. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, they discuss energy weapons in Uzmal's waters, but that's the name of the planet. Yeah. Executive Officer Omar interrupts. Hmm. Maybe it is the Uzmal. Maybe. I don't remember the name. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. I don't remember. 
but lots of fun like uh you know underwater sound and like you mm -hmm. have to be quiet because the daleks are coming and they can hear you so yeah yeah, yeah. and then the 12 is going crazy so trying to keep her quiet like she <laughs> she begins singing at some point <laughs> yes while they're where they're trying to like hide from the daleks avoid yeah. death charges uh i'll I, read the I like um i do like the fact that there's a submarine named jonah it's a yeah. great name for a submarine well, he, he he was named Captain Jonah. They nicknamed him. Oh, the doctor? Yes. Oh. Uh, I think at the end, they explain it because Bliss told one of the crew that Jonah, like, was bad luck on a boat or something. Like, there was a reason at the very end where Bliss came up with the name that Jonah. Nickname. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jonah's been typically, in Earth mythology, unlucky with the sea. Mm -hmm. At the end, the I think the beast like they they almost catch it. The Daleks try to get it, and it it's like you will die, you will die. And then the Doctor says, "No, that's just how he greets things because <laughs> it's like an eternal animal or something." Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then I think it works to get rid of the Daleks on that planet at least. It's the Orushima. 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 Yeah, that's it. I remember now. <laughs> And and the thing about that is it can see multiple futures, mm. and it's uh it, it has uh it has the ability to accurately predict the outcome of every choice. They were widely I'm just reading this here. They are widely believed to be mythical, but the Daleks seek to gain their power, and so naturally Tamazan and Elytra want to stop the Daleks. And I think it even offered its power to the Doctor because it was dying at that like the yeah I, yeah I think so too. Uh, so the Bloodhound is the sub that the Doctor is on. It's slowly. This is the end of this episode. It's slowly sinking. Bliss is surprised to find that she is still she is alive and wonders how the Daleks' missile fused and self-destructed. Given that the waters are usually on a quantum level, the Doctor suggests that they let the Bloodhound drift for a while, hiding them from the Daleks' heat sensors while he visits the Twelve and the Brig. So that's where episode four ends, I believe. Is that four? Episode four? I think it's four. Yeah, mm -hmm. episode four ends. Okay, so we move on to volume three, episode one, State of Bliss. So Bliss has lost her home, her family, and her friends, an orphan of the Time War. The Doctor attempts to find out where things went wrong. Across a multiverse of possibilities, Bliss discovers the many paths her life could have taken, but do they always lead to the Time War? This was a weird one. This was all in Bliss's memories, or yeah. like she was living different worlds. Sometimes the doctor was her grandfather. Sometimes yeah. I think he was a professor. This one I found to be like, I think it would have been a better televised, like a filmed uh -huh. episode, because you could see the differences in the... Uh, timelines as they splintered where hearing it i mean bliss sounds like bliss she doesn't have a different wardrobe you can't you can't tell things like that yeah she doesn't have a goatee yeah a mirror universe goatee <laughs> or a sash <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i remember much about this other than yeah, like all either. the different all the different like ways because they it was kind of like things kept forming like sometimes the doctor was the doctor sometimes like I said, he was her grandfather. Sometimes he was a professor and she was like trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, I, I unfortunately 
don't remember much of this because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could get through this. I have memory problems anyway. <laughs> yeah. But okay. I just, you know, like, just I mean, listening to the, just listening to this is like, wait, I can't even follow what you guys are saying, let alone the episode. And as, as I'm listening to it, it's, you know, 2022, we're like three months into the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And so it, mm. I mean, it is very like, um, you know, it's, it's still sci-fi, but you're listening to a war and you know that like across the the world, like war is happening. And so, uh, kind of that fog of war also that, you know, there's propaganda happening on both sides Mm -hmm. and people are just trying to like survive. So it, it's been weird listening to it. I will say like, part of it is kind of like a downer because you're in a war like with the biggest of stakes you know while you're listening even though it is a show even or, or uh entertainment yeah that that is weird how topical it is today but i think that's what makes good sci-fi good is that it is uh, an allegory mm-hmm. it is it is universally topical anyway so moving on to volume three episode two the famished lands Trying to make a difference far from the front lines, the Doctor and Bliss arrive in the Vale of Iptheus, where the Time War is starving populations out of existence. Now, it wasn't until uh, you reminded me of Volume 1 that the Theseus, uh, you know, was trying to get by in the hyperspace or hyperlane routes. Yes. Past the, like, the trolls under the bridge. <clears throat> I'm using air quotes. Yeah, yeah. I, like, they, they were in Jupiter or something like that, and then they were trying to get out of there. Uh-huh. But I think that, like, was one of the lines of those monsters, like, hungry? I'm hungry. That's right. Hungry. Yeah. Hungry. Yeah. Well, we revisit that in this <laughs> episode. <laughs> The famished lands, except it's yes. not the trolls; it's the whole population. Of yeah, it feels like they are. It feels like um, like a I am Legend or Ome- like Omega Man, like that type of. These are humans, but they're 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 pushed to the brink of being savages. Mm-hmm. So, b- due to the time war, this planet has been cut off from supplies. Mm-hmm. Like they used to have trade routes, but they don't produce anything on their own planet, so the people are starving. Um, and they make, uh, uh, artificial nutrition called the I-Core that people eat. And to the doctor, it looks like goop, but I think to people that eat it, it's, it like becomes whatever they imagine to be the best food. It's Soylent Green. Yeah. It's people, people. (laughs) But it it doesn't actually provide any nutritional information or any nutrition to the people. Yeah. Yeah. And... The people that do eat it become <laughs> uh, skeleton army people, <laughs> like they become skeletal soldiers, but not which, everybody. <laughs> which could tie in to the last day when we saw that revived Time Lord soldier being very um, skeletal. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the one the one note that I wrote here, because it ties into um, classic Who and what we've been doing, is that there's a Panopticon session, which is kind of like the house of lords or commons or the senate of gallifrey and the time lords putting being put into session and they're presented with the doctor as a potential weapon just like quarren was so i think that oh these guys are getting desperate that they're using the doctor the crazy outcast he could be a weapon mm. 
I, I don't remember how that one ends. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think they, uh, the doctor wants to go to try to talk the Time Lords into protecting the trade route so that they can get mm. nutrition again. But this one is also, I mean, it's pretty dark. Like, yeah. so not the I-Corps doesn't work on everybody. And the ones that it doesn't work on, they round up telling them that they're going to get them nutrition assistance and then just shoot them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, do, I do remember that <laughs> now that you mentioned Wow. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, this sounds fun. <laughs> but the Dr. Bliss are trying to, uh, you know, fight it. I think in this one, when they, the Famished Lands, they don't arrive there in the shut. No, never mind. I don't remember how they get there. Yeah. They're trying to blend in a little bit, but not too hard because everybody knows that, like, like they're, <laughs> they're not hungry fed. enough. Yeah. yeah, they're, yeah, not. They're, yeah. they're trying to look especially skeletal. I. <laughs> yeah. They, bl- they have to blend in better in a later episode. All right. So that brings us to episode three, volume three, which is Fugitive in Time. Returning a favor for Major Tamazan, the Doctor and Bliss accompany her to extract a dangerous fugitive from an isolated medieval world. I don't, I don't I didn't write much. That. Yeah, I didn't write much about this one. Might have accidentally skipped some of it. That's okay. A medieval world. <laughs> we get uh, Vashto, Dracino, Shonath, and then the Veil Yard. I do but, remember the Veil Yard. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Okay. It says here that the uh, Shonath is the last of her kind oh. and has her reasons to be wary of Time Lords. This is the one where they come in like on a alien escape craft. Mm. And then they have to like the they're trying to find Shonath, who's like the last of the Hesperia. Mm-hmm. Because the Time Lords wiped out <coughs> the Hesperia oh, completely from right. the time. And they're like, how is there one left? Yeah. And the Daleks um, also want her. I remember this now. Yeah. Because she, uh, the Hesperia were like good at genetic modifications. Yeah. So that's uh, where the, yeah. So there's a whole face off in this episode between the Daleks and the doctor representing the time Lords. Yeah. Trying to tell, uh, the Shonath who's the Hesperia that he wants to help them. And the dogs are like, no, we want to help you. So it's like a very <laughs> like, yeah. I think this was also um, the one where they were trying to go undercover because they knew that if uh, Shauna found out that they were Time Lords, like the Time Lords destroyed her whole race. So she would uh, want to help them. Right. Yeah. But this was funny because Bliss is trying to like convince the king of the world that she's a local, like she's conscripted to become his concubine, like not quite concubine, but like. Yeah. A servant-ish. Yes. (laughs) And so it's like, uh, they're like, he goes to the tallest waterfall. He's like, every child knows the name of this waterfall. What, what is it? And there's just a few <laughs> things like that where he's like catching her in her ignorance. Um, that was kind of fun. Old school sci-fi kind of stuff. I'm glad you remember this because I didn't until you started talking about it. Where it feels like that each of these episodes is concentrated on somebody that is a potential weapon. Mm. now that i now that we're talking about it as a whole i can see that yeah it's yeah it's the it's both sides trying to get one up on the other and so they're just going through like every old myth every possible like loose end that each left Uh, yeah 
I mean, it, it almost reminds me of uh, Hellboy, like the premises that uh, Hitler wanting to win the war was looking for every avenue to take an advantage. So he started delving into mysticism and mm. um, legend stuff. Like um, in the desert? Some, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But this was another one where, so she was trying to find a transmat to go to another world to fix herself because she avoided the deletion of her whole race by genetically modifying herself just enough that she wouldn't get deleted. So she's in a lot of pain. Um, And then I think the doctor tries to help her fix the transmat, but the Dalek transmat network was what she was connecting to. So he had to find a different network. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that that genetic manipulation to escape genocide reminds me of uh, the Kryptonians in um, the burn era of Superman. Where they were confined to uh, Krypton. Anyway, that's that's a little bit of a nerd deep dive. <laughs> right, but at the end, she had the genetic manipulator that everybody wanted. Yeah, did she destroy it? Is that right? I don't remember. I I'm not sure how it ended. Okay. Well, moving on to Volume Three, Episode Four: <laughs> The War Veilyard. The Veilyard has returned to the universe amid the time war and the time lords see his potential to end the conflict for good so the veilyard is a sinister renegade time lord uh, i've never seen anything that he's done but they did mention the veilyard in the one where they go to transalore the name of the doctor mm. where yeah. the the great intelligence is listing off yeah. things that are bad yeah. about the doctor and the veilyard is one of them and i think I the veilyard's in trial of a time lord Yes, there's the first time we see the Veilyard is in the Trial of the Time Lord with the Sixth Doctor. That is a season-long story. And the Veilyard, he is an emanation or incarnation of the Doctor. He's always creating accounts uh, that are different of his origin, kind of like Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. Mm. He also runs out of regenerations and wants to steal the Doctor's. Uh, the Veilyard is described as the darker side of the Doctor's nature. That was by the Master in, I think, the Trial of the Time Lord. Hmm. In this, in this instance, like the Veilyard is also kind of torn. Like we have almost two personalities of him: one that is more Doctorish, yeah. and one that is more sinister. Pure, yeah. So I, it'd be curious. I'm now curious to see what this classic, who I guess villain was like. If this is any different or the same. But yeah, it was it was kind of confusing for me to, for somebody to be called Veilyard because I can I can deal with the Doctor, the Master, but Veilyard, the Veilyard, it sounds like a thing rather than a person. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just me. Go yeah. ahead. No, I'm trying to remember. I, I remember it was cool listening to it, like because it's a good you know it it is kind of the Doctor, so it's a good foil to go against the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And again, like they're they're definitely like not trying to make any any side black and white like because at some points i think he was more compassionate but uh, there was also like he was fighting that bell yard yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. the eighth doctor says i am he and he is me which is something that the one of the doctors says in the three doctor special to explain how there are three doctors but they're still the same person Mm. so the veil yard is part of the doctor in some fashion they also, there was a reference to how he said he once recalled he had a chance to erase the Daleks at their very beginning, but didn't take it. And that's from Genesis of the Daleks. So it's funny that I think 
I think it was Russell that said it, the time war started all the way in Genesis of the Daleks when the when the Time Lords took the first shot and trying to eliminate the Daleks completely. Yeah, mm. Russell, that was Russell's thing. Yeah, which makes sense. I think that ties it all in really well. I think by this point, Tamison has regenerated. But that doesn't mean. I, I mean, uh, I don't remember because she was already it? did it once. To oh, was it the other? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Valyard. Uh, he's. Oh, this is the planet that like the memories are like re like stuff is happening on the planet that's also based on their memories, right? So, so this it's like is the a manifestation of their minds. Yeah. So in this one, like I think the Valyard thinks he's the Doctor. Oh, okay, it's coming back. It's coming back. The Valyard <laughs> thinks he's the Doctor and thinks that he destroyed the Daleks. Oh yes, now he's okay. reliving it. Yeah, but it's not. But right, it's all in his memory. So in this one at the beginning, you get the Valyard destroying Daleks. And then like as the Daleks dying, he's like, You can't be the doctor because I am the doctor. Like it's a Dalek that thinks he's the doctor. He's the doctor. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. That's very like I think he says, Who am I? Yeah. And it's like that's the eighth doctor's life. <laughs> yeah. But it's all because they're coming from his memories. That's why they yeah. all are part of the doctor. But he has a cool screwdriver too. Like it's a neat sound effect. It's a very like it's unique. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's more of a weapon. Like he yes. uses it to destroy Daleks right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he oh, ha- yeah. And then don't they steal Tamison's TARDIS at this point because they use it to track the Valyard's biosignature? Yes, I think that's right. <laughs> I'm rem- I'm remembering like you yeah, just yeah. bits of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how it ends though. That's unfortunate. I think they were either going to leave him to keep that loop or they were going to end it. Okay. (laughs) 50-50, one or the other. (laughs) Well, then we move on to volume four, which volume four episodes one and two are palindrome. In an alternate universe, Davros lives in peace until the Doctor and Bliss arrive and the Daleks emerge in a new reality. This this one might be my favorite, just because we get to see Davros in an alternate reality as a good scientist. <laughs> and this is one that I've only listened to the first part, so. it's Again, it's quite sad, because you get to see how happy he is with his wife, and then Ew. I think- Sorry. Da- Davros, yeah. <laughs> Ew, that's the hell. I'm glad well, there's no pictures. <laughs> well, Davros is, a doll and I think his wife is a thal. Mm-hmm. So even that to me was like, oh that's that's nice that Aww. that they were able to live at peace even though that's what started the Daleks is that civil war on Skaro. Oh, that does sound nice. We're gonna have to destroy that. <laughs> yeah. So at least in the first part, I think part of the Thals and Dolls coming together is the Time Lords are their common enemy. Yes, because this is an interesting part that I actually was able to follow that Davros's days are going in a reverse order, like Groundhog Day, reverse Groundhog Day, because he's reliving things, but backwards. Mm-hmm. So his first day, like if it's linearly, he starts off on a Friday, but then when he wakes up the next day, it's Thursday. And then he that's, wakes up the next day, it's Wednesday. That's like Merlin in The Once the Future King. Yeah. And, and I, I don't it worked for me. I just really liked it that he knew about certain things, like when the doctor would show up and Bliss would show up, but still be confused. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Did 
they, he wasn't a Khaled? They called them dolls? You know, I don't remember. I just remember him specifically saying his wife is a Thal. Okay. At some point, they did mention Khaled's that yeah. somebody okay, was... wanted to destroy all the Khaled's. Are they both dolls and Thal's? Are they both Khaled's? Originally, they were dolls and Thal's. Okay. And then later on, it became Khaled's. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if they were trying to tie it back to our friend Thalic? doll. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I don't, but, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I the, don't try. I can't remember. Oh, the first part was cool. Like I, like I said, it's kind of has a memento feel because, of course, you're confused because you're just getting into the story. So you're with Davros more yeah. than anybody. But then you get more information as Davros does and kind of like, um, you know, River and the Doctor, like you're going one way and eventually <laughs> Davros has more information than the Doctor does. Yeah. And, it, and it's cool that it becomes like that Groundhog Day where he knows when the doctor is going to show up at his door, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, He only up to a certain point. And it's Terry Malloy that voices Davros, Did- but he's voicing it as a, like a regular guy. And then later on, they add the reverb and then you hear the Davros that we know. So I think that that was cool that they got mm. to cast Terry Malloy. That's fun. Uh, his wife, his name is Charn. I thought it was Chan at first, tying it into... Charn, no. The end of is it the end of the world with uh, season three, but it's a uh, charn. Or, you mean utopia? Uh, utopia, yes, utopia. Well, you know the British can't say their R's right. Charn. Yeah. No, it was just nice to have uh, Davros as before he was uh, that weirdo with the third eye and the wheelchair thing going on. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how that went in. Sorry, I keep saying that a lot. That's okay. That. That's as far as I I've listened to so far. But I, I think <laughs> I will finish it. Okay, good. So, volume four, episode three is Dread Shade. The Time Lords, including the General and the Twelve, adjust to life after the Time War until the Doctor and Bliss return with a warning. This is the one where it begins with the Doctor and Bliss arriving on a planet, and then their memories get scrambled because there's a um. I want to say like there's some sort of event that happens they become blind and then they're mm. wandering and then their memories come back and then they start to see again but then their memories are are all jumbled hmm. okay so this is saying that the uh that the war has stopped so that's what happened they the war just stops nobody knows why and then you have the time lord soldiers being like what are we doing uh they've lost their memories as well they eventually find the doctor and people are being displaced refugees across time and space are misplaced uh, people fleeing from planets that no longer exist some worlds may have never existed in the first place whole planets have shifted some have vanished altogether and war is over but there is no peace so i like that it's like there's no fighting but there's no peace dogs and cats living together Mass hysteria. <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of these time lords recognizes the doctor from his uh, swiss cheese memory takes the doctor to their i think it's the war council and the doctor's like war council but we're in a time of peace and they start to get memories back of what's going on and this is where it's overtly mentioned that the omega arsenal has people as weapons a bunch of people are in stasis and they're just weapons waiting to be used at some point Uh, they mentioned there's obliteration missiles (laughs) I was like, would you would you just say time warheads? 
Uh, so the twelve is the only Time Lord to retain memory of the Daleks after the Veilyard's actions erase them from existence. So I think that's why we have peace. I okay. wrote, I'm glad I wrote this part down because I was like, this is interesting. And and the twelve is a she at this point, I believe, and she's she was in stasis when all her memories of the uh, Daleks uh, came back. So I think there's one point where I think she's talking to herself. I'm not sure because. She's held in a cell, and you hear like something with uh, an echoey reverb as she tries to break out of the cell. So I don't know if that's another incarnation of her or if that is another physical person in the mm. cell with her. Um, I I did mention at the time, but one of the stories she after after her time on the prison planet with the interrogations, she's a Dalek sleeper agent. Yeah, for a I do remember that. Yeah, there's so much that happens in these. It's very dense and. Like, um, also, they do, at least this particular one, like, every episode, like, really switches the direction. Yeah. So it can be uh, hard to, to keep track of what you're doing. It's it's even hard to keep track when you listen to them sequentially, because they're so, they're, like, really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one minute you're in a submarine under an ocean, and the next you're yeah. on the dome planet. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is really like um, it is neat to see so many more Time Lords and to get that like kind of insider look at the Time War. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're in for like you have to commit some time to it. Oh, for sure. Uh, The doctor here mentions the Master and the Rani when I think he's saying who is the the Veilyard or who is the Twelve. I can't remember, but wanted to throw that out there that that's again tying it in with our TV episodes. Mm hmm. And then once uh, Bliss regains her memory, she, she remembers the Ogrons, the Theseus. She says she remembers River Song, but I don't know if that's a jumbled memory she's receiving. Hmm. And then she also mentions the Veil Yard, which, which makes sense because that just happened. So yeah, there's a lot of confusion and then more confusion as they get their memories back because I'm not sure if they're getting their memories or a different version of them memories. Yeah. last episode in volume four is restoration of the daleks the dalek time strategist restores the dalek armies of the universe but wants to dispense with davros uh, so davros keeps the doctor alive because he hasn't captured at one point and he says because you're an enigma in the timeline of the daleks like you're always a constant there like there and then he mentions the cult of scaro dalek khan the false prophet the new paradigm, Dalek history, and the doctors are impossibly entangled. And I just like, wow, that is really a nice way to put that, that this is like the Lex Luthor to your Superman, the Joker to your Batman. The doctor and the Daleks are impossibly entangled. I was like, Mm. it's beautiful. (laughs) It feels like Remembrance of Daleks with with the seventh doctor that we did with uh, Ace. Is that what that's called? It's an R. Yeah. One. Yes, but, I think so. But where you have a Dalek sort of civil war with Davros on one side and then yeah. the other Daleks, that's what this one feels like, but they're just overthrowing Davros as a power instead of Davros and his Daleks. And where the Doctor destroys all of Gallifrey at the end. Yeah. Or Scaro? Is it Scaro? Scaro, sorry. <laughs> oh, Davros is uh, perfecting 
genetic manipulation on the nano level. So he's able to continue refining his Dalek creations. Mm. There are just not only Dalek warriors, but there's the Dalek strategist, which I think is the one that kind of does the mutiny uh, to overthrow of Davros. But then there's also a Dalek emperor. So I think they created a Dalek emperor to replace Davros. There's just a lot going on in this one. (laughs) As far as like Nicholas Briggs is again doing the Dalek voices, so he he's he's got a lot of a lot of work to do in this episode. <laughs> um, in uh, the first part, I think of this volume, they met Daleks that were kind of like not quite fully formed. Yeah, I think they were like if this was an Iron Man suit, this is the Mark One, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the Mark Eight or Mark Seven, and that was like old Davros like doing it right like well see when he starts to put when they put on that reverb of what we Mm -hmm. hear Davros uh, normally I thought that he would be in that wheelchair but he might have been walking around with two eyes instead of that third eye Mm -hmm. but again it's not you can't be like hey Davros way to saunter in on those two legs of yours (laughs) that must be weird So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I imagine him looking more human than that, like, decrepit, okay. feeble thing that he has to sustain his life in that Dalek bottom half skirt. Mm-hmm. But I I don't remember. I think Davros is executed in this, but there's always a way to, for him to kind of get out of it. But I, I think I remember that happening. I don't know why I didn't write that down. <laughs> But what I did write is that at the end of this, it is revealed that the doctor has a grandson named Alex. Hmm. He's got quite the family. Yeah, this one, I guess it ends sort of happily with the doctor and Bliss. So, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so, but, okay, but then, okay, so um, but then um, I mean, eventually, I mean, he's, eventually gotta go he's gotta go off fight the time war or regenerate. Yeah. Because it, it seems interesting because I only got through the first three of the first volume. I hate to say it, I think that if I had listened to more, I'd be frustrated. It makes sense in the timeline of the Doctor, but there would be a part of me that's like, I want to see the time war itself. So, I don't know. It, it's just kind of like, I think I would be very frustrated. And then with all the changes in the timeline and amnesia and memory loss, it's like, I'm out. <laughs> I think, though, what you want is probably with the John Hurt War Doctor audio dramas. I yes. think. I think that would do it too, <clears throat> or, maybe, or even the Derek Jacobi Master. Yeah, the Time Master or War Master. War Master, yeah. Yeah. Oh. But since we don't have anything else other than the TV movie and the short of Paul McGann, we wanted to do this to see how how they would be. And I did enjoy parts of them, a lot of like ninety percent of it. But mm-hmm. it well, is McGann a is great. Yeah, he's great. Anything he does for the Doctor Who franchise. He's a hundred per like hundred fifty percent in. Yeah, not all the actors from the TV show do well on the audio. Um, for you know, from the modern show, it's like I've listened to some of them, and it's like it's almost like you're not even trying to act, you know. Um, but he's just really, really good. Yeah, we wanted to do more coverage of Paul McGann as a doctor. This was the best way to fit it into our. Um, what we're doing now with the time war in the 50th mm-hmm. like i said i'm gonna i'll finish it up um yeah i i can't i can't recommend it for anybody but the most diehard of fans oh, to for give it sure a try. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
But if you are a diehard, like uh, you might enjoy it. Yeah, I, I would almost say there. I can't remember who mentioned it, but when we did the Sarah Jane Adventure episodes, it was almost like, hey, these are new Doctor Who episodes that we never knew about. So yeah. this is kind of like that for me. It's just be warned that it takes a while to get used to this type of storytelling. But listening to it more than once, and I would recommend listening to one episode in one volume in one sitting is the best way to do it because then you won't be like, what happened? Where am I? Right. Break it up that way instead of trying to listen to one complete volume, which is four episodes mainly. Uh-huh. I think we're remembering things pretty well. I mean, I have just listened to it pretty recently, yeah. like within the past week. So yeah. I mean, it, it helps that I just listened to the first two today and then you listen mm. to the, the, you know, the other Mm-hmm. Well, mainly the third one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's definitely helping me remember. I mean, I like after, like I said, after figuring out kind of the structure and getting used to the storytelling, they are pretty mm-hmm. enjoyable. It's just, it just sucks that you can't like listen to it for the first time and be good. You have to kind of get used to it. But, but that might mean like the other big finish audios will be easier. And like this one is sure. probably a difficult one to get into because of. Yeah the time war and the changing stuff but i mean they're they're well produced yeah it's like you said it's also very high concept because if you don't know what the time war is you're gonna get lost mm-hmm. and i have listened to others they're they're more contained into one volume um one cd oh, okay like like you have each volume has four episodes so i guess one episode one cd they're more digestible that's what i was going for okay yeah that was easy so that wraps up the Big Finish audio of the 8th Doctor in the Time War. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at albertbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who New Podcast. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest-running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain.